Hello, and welcome to Grim and Whim, unnerving tales to haunt, mystify, and spark curiosity. Let's be curious together. Before we start the episode, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to my listeners. It's been slowly growing and growing over the weeks, and this is the 10th episode, and so I, I just wanted to really pause and reflect because I'm a special education teacher. I, I don't do this podcast thing for a living. It's something I've always wanted to try, but my anxiety told me, no, you won't be good at it, or it's not going to be successful anyway, so why bother? But I love telling stories. That's something I really love, and I love horror, and I love creepiness, and I love spooky things, and I love mystery. And I know a lot of people out there like it too. And so seeing the numbers, you know, very gradually grow um, has been really awesome and encouraging to me. So I just wanted to say thank you because I wouldn't have that encouragement if it weren't for you, dear listener. And one way, if you're enjoying the podcast, and if you want to help me out further, it would be so great if you could leave any sort of feedback or rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps me out, and it also gives me an idea of the content that people are enjoying and why they enjoy it. So if you would kindly do that, I would appreciate it. And now, we'll get into the episode. Today's stories are all about haunted houses. The setting of the haunted house is one of my favorite horror tropes, because the house becomes a character in its own right. When I think of a good haunting, I think of American Horror Story Season 1, Murder House, or the Amityville Horror, or any of Ed and Lorraine Warren's cases. So with that, let me thrill you with some haunted house stories. Our first story was found on r slash supernatural stories and is titled Our Spooky House. We moved into our previous house in 2002. We got the keys from the council and we were overjoyed when we saw the house for the first time. It was a semi set back from the road with a huge back garden. The best thing though was the location. We were about five miles from the center of Wrexham, at the far end of Keffin Road, in the middle of the countryside, with only two neighbors. So, having decided to decorate the place before we moved in, my wife and I spent most days there. One evening, having returned alone to get on with painting the hall, I was busy. It was December, and by eight o'clock it was pitch dark outside, and being at the far end of the road, there were no street lights. I was upstairs painting the walls and about to pack in and go home when I heard a woman's voice calling my name. Thinking it was my wife, I shouted that I would be down in a minute. The voice came again, and I got up and went to the top of the stairs to see who was shouting at me. There was no one there. I went downstairs and looked around. The house was empty. Thinking it a bit weird, I phoned my wife, who was still at our old house. She hadn't been out that night. The following day, we were both at our new house painting the kitchen, 
when I mentioned what had happened the night before. She went pale and said with relief that she was glad I said that. I asked why, and she told me how the day before my experience, while she was upstairs painting the bedroom, she had heard a woman's voice calling her name, and she thought it was her mom coming to visit and that I had let her in. When she had gone to check, she found no one was there. This was the beginning of a very odd 14 years. Our next story is titled, My Old House. When I was in fourth grade, we moved from Clifton to a small town in New Jersey near Elizabeth. For privacy purposes, I don't want to reveal the exact location, as it's not relevant to the story. This house was old, sort of run down, and not one of the first options my parents considered. But it was better than our old living situation, so it ultimately became the house we lived in. From the very beginning, everything in the house was off. My siblings and I were too excited to notice anything wrong with it at first. To us, it was an extravagant house. It wasn't until we settled down that we started to notice weird things. Our room was at the attic. There were sealed and locked doors that were attached to the walls on the right. During the night, they would rattle and shake, as if they were being pushed against. Me and my siblings joked that it was a creepy person who snuck in to live with us. We chalked it off as the wind making its way into the house. Next, we started to hear footsteps, scuttling and crawling on the floor in the attic. It would mostly happen when our parents weren't home or when they were off working. It wasn't as terrifying as it would have been if we were alone. My siblings and I would just check the attic for intruders and move on. We eventually ignored the sounds from the attic as the months moved on. Around fifth grade was when things started to escalate. Items like spoons, keys, shoes, and clothes would go missing and then show up in weird places. I was always blamed for the missing items as I was very mischievous, but my siblings knew it wasn't me. My mother eventually started to notice that items would even go missing while I was at school. Firmly planted and sturdy objects would start flinging or being pushed over too. A moment I will never forget, however, was when two dolls we owned started acting up. I never liked dolls, but these were gifts from my mother to my sister and I. We weren't the type to play with toys, but we still kept them out of gratitude. They were dressed in frilly dresses with hats and eyes that closed when you laid them down. They also had a built-in box that made them laugh when they were firmly squeezed. One rainy night, as cliche as it sounds, the dolls started to laugh. It was like a scene from a movie. The moon lit up the room. There was rain, lightning, and thunder outside. It was a very terrifying moment for me and my sister. One of the dolls started laughing, and the other soon followed, before they slumped over on each other. My sister and I had a hard time sleeping that night. Even when those dolls were dropped, they wouldn't laugh. They had to be firmly squeezed. That night, 
the shaking of those doors seemed a little extra scary. And the faraway sound of scuttling I heard that night after my sister fell asleep was something I couldn't ignore. Our final story is by me. This is my very own paranormal experience, and um, it's really my only paranormal experience that I can really remember from my childhood, and it happened at the Lemp Mansion, which if you are unfamiliar with the Lemp Mansion, it's sort of a landmark in St. Louis, and um, it was built in the 1860s and was home to the Lemp family who were very wealthy and located next to their family business, the Lemp Brewery, which was um, a very successful brewery up until Prohibition. Between 1919 and 1949, there were five deaths and or suicides that happened in the house. So the Lemp Mansion is reportedly haunted because, you know, this building has had a lot of tragedy, a lot of sadness. And I believe that locations that have endured such tragedy can sort of hang on to that tragedy and it can manifest into spirits or or some sort of evil or haunting energy. So now that you have a bit of background on the Lemp Mansion, and I've definitely considered doing an entire podcast on the Lemp Mansion, so I may circle back to that and do that on another day, but I just wanted to give the listeners who maybe aren't from St. Louis or don't have the background a little bit of information about what the Lemp Mansion is. So my story takes place when I was in about fifth or sixth grade, and I was a member of a Girl Scout troop. And as many people know, um, one of the things that Girl Scout troops do is they sell cookies, and they use that money to go on trips or excursions. Um, They do activities, and it's really just about um, the Girl Scouts having these unique experiences. So for example, my Girl Scout troop, you know, we did a couple different types of excursions where we went and we learned how to horseback ride, or one year we used the Girl Scout cookie funds to, you know, do pottery classes, and then I think we did skiing. And when I was in fifth or sixth grade, that was the year when we did the Lemp Mansion tour, and we actually got to go to the Lemp Mansion and do a tour of the house with a tour guide and then at the end of the tour um, the plan was that we were going to be served dinner in their beautiful dining room Um, it's gorgeous i have been back to the lent mansion a couple times in my early 20s and so and it's still a beautiful home Um, there are weddings that happen there Um, they do different things for halloween i think they even do brewery tours, um, especially around Halloween time. I'm not sure if they still do that. I'd have to look into it, but I know it was advertised a lot when I was a kid, um, people going down into the brewery on Halloween night. So going to the Lemp Mansion as a a fifth grader, I I didn't really know anything about the Lemp Mansion. Um, You know, it's not like today where if you don't know something, you can just Google it. Back then, I didn't have access to 
uh, being able to look up anything about the Lemp Mansion. So I was going in blind, as, as were, I think, most of the Girl Scout troop. We were going in blind, not really knowing much about it, and we were going there to learn. So we go to the Lemp Mansion, and, you know, we go around like 5 or 6 o'clock at night, and it's already starting to get kind of dark, and we begin the tour. The tour guide, he was very friendly. We went to different parts of the house, and, you know, he told us different stories about, about the house and, you know, like when it was built, things like that. Didn't really get into too many details about the family at that point, but he would, you know, point out, you know, this was so-and-so's room or, you know, this was this person's room. And, you know, it's it's me and about, you know, 12 or so other Girl Scouts and, you know, our troop leader and, you know, some of the other troop moms who had come along and we're walking through the Lemp Mansion and then we, at one point, we are at the third floor of the house and um, we are walking down from the third floor. We're going down the staircase when I felt a huge push and I mean a push on my back and I end up kind of tripping forward and I fall about like a step or two and just to kind of really paint the picture um, imagine a very large old staircase and there are you know it's you know not a huge staircase so um, we had to walk you know single file to walk down safely and so you know it's a lot of people that are on the staircase you know the tour guide all the troop moms and all the girls and I'm actually the one that's at the very very end of the line I'm the caboose and so when I tripped forward I immediately catch myself and I turn around to see what was behind me because I had felt someone push me and there was nothing and I just remember feeling cold like it was like the air had dropped 30 degrees and I felt this chill down my spine and I remember I had a friend in front of me let's just call her Mary um, and I and Mary, I remember she turned around and she was like, you okay? Like, you good? And I said, I think so. I felt like someone pushed me. And there is a difference, I think, between, you know, just tripping, you know, because you're clumsy, which I'm very clumsy. I trip all the time. And there's a difference between that and being pushed. I think most of us know the feeling of being pushed. I grew up with three brothers and a sister and we would fight, you know, like siblings do. And so I've been pushed. I've pushed others. You know, it's, you know, that feeling when, you know, the, when there's two hands on your back and that force of somebody pushing you, it's a very distinctive feeling. And so when I felt this push and fell forward, I knew immediately in my mind that something had pushed me. But like I said, I was the last girl in this long line of people, and there was no one behind me. And so as we're, you know, continuing the tour, I'm kind of just starting to think in my brain, like, what just happened? You know, what was going on? 
I'm trying to think of different ways to make sense of what happened. And I was like, well, maybe somebody was actually behind me and maybe they pushed me and then ran away. But everybody in our group was accounted for. And this was a very old staircase. I remember walking up and down, you know, the staircase during the tour. And I remember the creaky steps. So for someone to have pushed me and then run up the stairs, I would have heard it. And, you know, my friend Mary would have, you know, heard it. And so I was like, okay, so that doesn't really work. That doesn't make sense. So, you know, I'm like, maybe it was just some weird thing. At the end of the tour, we go to the dining room and it's this gorgeous dining room. If you've never been to the Lemp Mansion, it really is. I mean, it's a beautiful home. I definitely recommend going. And in the dining room, the staff who was bringing out the meal, um, they had us sit down and, you know, they're pouring us water and, and things like that. And I'm, you know, I'm starting to forget about the fact that I was pushed down the stairs. Um, you know, I'm a kid. I, I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, and moving on. Didn't really, you know, I wasn't hurt and, you know, I've, I survived, so it wasn't anything that, for me, I was like, you know, end of the world. But then, as, you know, the food is coming out and we begin eating, the tour guide then begins to tell us more stories about the Lemp family and the tragedies of the home. And there were five deaths in this mansion, and almost all of the deaths in the mansion were done by their own hand. And a lot of the deaths were unexplainable. And so the tour guide was telling us, you know, that there are legends that surround the Lemp family mansion and that many people believe it's haunted. And I remember thinking, okay, all right, I mean, maybe. But I wasn't really sure if I believed in that kind of stuff at that point. Like I said, I was only in fifth grade. And so... I wasn't really sure. And then the tour guide tells us about Elsa Lemp. So in 1920, just days after her marriage, Elsa Lemp supposedly took her own life with a gunshot to the chest. But she didn't leave behind a suicide note. The Lemp family, they called their doctor and they called an attorney and the coroner without ever notifying the police. The police weren't involved until at least two hours after her death. And so, it's sort of a mystery. Did Elsa Lemp really commit suicide, or did her husband take her life? Oh, and here's the kicker. Elsa Lemp, her room was on the third floor. The same floor I felt a push and nearly tripped down the stairs. So the tour guide is saying this. And I look over at my friend. We were kind of like near each other, but we look across the table at each other and we're just sort of like, oh my goodness. I remember the next day at school talking about it with her and being like, I think I was just pushed by a ghost. I really think I might have just been pushed by the ghost of Elsa Lemp. And that's my story. I have no way of verifying it. Um... The only thing that I have is that I did have a witness with me who saw me fall. And then I also have 
my own belief that I was pushed because I felt hands on my back. I felt that, you know, very distinguishable feeling of being pushed. So I have no idea if the Lemp family truly does haunt the Lemp mansion, but I certainly had an experience that day that I don't have a logical explanation for. And so, believe it or not, but I believe I was pushed by the ghost of Elsa Lemp in the Lemp mansion. Thank you so much for joining me. It's goodbye for now, but I hope to haunt you again soon. If you have your own scary story, or a strange encounter, or anything else that falls under the umbrella of mysterious, or chilling, or spooky, you can type it out, and please send it to grimandwhim at gmail.com. That's G-R-I-M-A-N-D-W-H-I-M at gmail.com.